I may be getting frustrating for some of you who who uh, prefer strict exegetical preaching chapter by chapter, verse by verse, because for the life of me, I just can't seem to stay glued in a book very long. Um, I have to preach where my where my soul is, and uh, today I'm going to have a number two of a recent message called Fighting for Joy. John chapter 15 verse 11 kept reverberating throughout my mind this past week. It's something unique to the John 15 narrative as we read about abiding in the vine. You know, Jesus said that he is the the vine and we are the branches and without him we can do nothing. Uh, And we talk a lot about these things, about bearing fruit. But over on uh, over on in verses 9 through basically 17, but essentially down through 11, we see a component, a key part in what the Lord wants us to have in order to bear fruit. This verse specifically in John 15 verse 11 says, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. And that verse just kept going through me all week, all week. This verse, my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Now, I have a bucket with me. There's no list in it, by the way. Uh, There's just a bucket. And it's kind of an odd-shaped bucket because it's built for a purpose. It's a cleaning bucket. I got it to empty the baptistry out with, so... But do you want to know what's in this bucket? Absolutely nothing. It's, it's, it's empty. It's empty. Nothing in there. Nothing to inspire anything. And I'm, and I'm glad it's a bucket. And I admire blue always because that's my favorite color. But this bucket is absolutely useless unless it's fulfilling its purpose. I don't think, I don't keep this bucket around in that room just because I think it's neat to have a blue bucket. And furthermore, being flat-edged like this, it only really is good for a few things. But when I need it to do what its purpose is in helping scoop out that water because the bottom of the baptistry is flat, therefore I can put this down flat and rake the water into it, it really works well. It's a blessing. That's why I keep it. Okay? But the rest of the time, it's empty. Unless it's being used. Four years ago, in Georgia, God did an amazing thing in my life that I talk about often. It is a phenomenon that Some just don't understand. I'll just put it that way. Because of of the abuses that it's received over the years. I'm going to go ahead and talk about it just briefly, and then I'm going to talk about this bucket. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones was an eminent preacher. Loved the Lord, was a powerful exegete of Scripture. Solid doctrine. He wrote a book called Unspeakable or Joy Unspeakable. And I have been going through that thing for a couple years now. It's just that deep. 
And he, he has a term there, and I would ask you when I say this to hear me out, okay? And listen to me. Don't, don't go off on your own tangent in your brain. Don't, don't do that. He refers to what's called, as he calls it, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He defines as the special empowerment that the Lord gives his people to do the work of ministry. To witness, to preach, to teach, to live. Not theatrics, not hysterical, crazy stuff to make you think you're something. This is a quiet but powerful feeling that God gives the saint. And he takes that bucket that you have that's empty and he fills it. And then you're, you're carrying around your bucket because you're so full. You just, you slosh everywhere you go. That's the overflow of the bucket. But eventually, it gets a little empty. You need to go back to the well. And when you give out in serving the Lord and living life, you will run empty. Did Jesus not steal away often to be alone with the Father? Why? Because he felt power go out of him, as it were, when the woman touched the hem of his garment. That's how he knew in the throng of people that he had been touched because he felt power go out of him. And he would go back and, and he would be filled. I believe what the Lord and what's missing in our churches today and what the Lord wants to give is joy. Inexpressible and full of glory. You can call it baptism in the Holy Spirit if you want to. You can call it being filled, re- renewed, uh, revived. You can call it any of those things. Don't confuse any of that with the theatrics of a false notion of that. I won't abide that. It is not to be trifled with. But as the scripture calls it, this week I, I got alone in my, my little building and I had an empty five-gallon bucket And I held it up and I said, God, it's empty. It's empty again. And I can't live unless you fill it. I can't be a husband. I can't be a father. I can't be a pastor. And I sure as well can't write some project for school. I can't do anything unless you fill this. So I got on the phone with a friend of mine, if you remember Mark Bearden that came and preached, uh, Mark's been very sick with colon cancer, and uh, we began to talk, and the joy of the Lord came down, filled the bucket. And I believe, as the Greek says, in uh, I, I, I can't remember, I think it's Ephesians, but we are to be being filled every day. But we often don't stop long enough to get before God, to plead, as Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, to, to plead for that blessing. So I want to focus in on this verse this morning with that setting the stage for what I believe is lacking in the American church. Jesus says, in a capsule form, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full I have a bucket in my soul and it needs to be full of the joy of the Lord. 
you can tell if you look at me, because I am a very expressive person. I know that. And I'm also, man, I zero in on dumb little things all the time. You know, ladies come in and they have some new earring. I'm like, you know, and, I, and I'll see something and it's shiny or it's not. I'm like, what is that? And I, and I focus in on so many things. Well, I also do that with just life in general. I, I just notice so many everything. And I try to give attention to everything. And I get empty. And I dry up. I want the joy of the Lord to be in me because you, when, I, when I begin to run dry, my, to quote an old word, my visage begins to change. I've been reading a book late, lately by Octavius Winslow. It was written in 1842. Take me four days to read one chapter because it's so big, <laughs> okay? But he talks about this a lot. Now, what things did Jesus say that he had spoken? Well, before we answer that, here's what I want to tell you about joy. This definition just came to me looking at the ocean waves pound against the rocks. Joy is not a set of desired circumstances or realized conditions, nor is joy the absence of conflict or pain. Rather, joy is singularly and intrinsically a person. Joy is Jesus. So what's supposed to go in the bucket? It's not some weird notion, some ethereal response. I want Jesus to get in there. And I'm going to keep Him close. And as I walk with the joy of Jesus in me, not conditions, not circumstances, not happenings, He's going to slosh out everywhere I go. Because that's what happens when you carry a full bucket of water. You slosh. And it gets things wet around it. And in order for me to be full of the Spirit, i got to spend time with Jesus because He's my friend. He's the source of life. There are some people that are so weird. They, they get so busy, they say they forget to eat. I never have that problem. I just don't. I, I don't. I don't get too busy to eat. But we get often too busy because we have the Lord. We say we love the Lord, but we don't spend time. We, we, we have popcorn devotions. We read a few verses. We pray a snippet of a prayer and we move on because we don't prioritize and see it as essential. I use these words essential. I use these words inextricably. I use words singularly because these are absolute fundamentals of surviving this life in case you haven't noticed things are getting really bad and weird a brother and i and the lord talked the other day and i think both of us felt a little bad about talking about what was bad but i'm confused by that and i'll bring that up in a minute god didn't call us to be buddhists to try to deny what's there. He called us to live for Jesus with what's there. But that joy that we are supposed to have, let's go back. Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. He used joy twice there, really close. Because his intention is for it to be, him to be in us. 
he says, the things that matter when it comes to joy are his commands. Now look with me in the text in verse 9. It says, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. This is key to understanding this. And then he says in verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. And then he says, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Was there ever a time when Jesus was without joy? No. But then I thought, but wait, does the Bible not say in Hebrews that for the joy that was set before him, he he went to the cross and suffered? Do Do we not see Jesus in the garden when he's pleading with God, if perhaps possible, to remove the cup from him and in such soul distress that it were he be sweating great drops of blood? Are we to say in that moment that the Savior who says that his love abides in the Father, that essentially his joy in the Father was somehow gone? No, he's being real. And the question is, can you have joy in pain? Yes, you can. Can you have joy in conflict? Yes, you can. Are you pretending it doesn't exist? No, you're not. Are you being real with what's around you? Yes, you are. But where is your singular focus? Jesus, because joy is not a set of realized conditions or circumstances. Joy is not an emotional high. Joy is a person. And to be close to this person is just elementary. It's that way. You go and you be close to that person. You all live in the tyranny of the urgent. Learned that from Kim McHenry. Okay, you, we all succumb to this need to be quick, to be everywhere, to do everything. And yet Jesus says there's one thing that needed. And of course, we, we remember with Mary that she chose that good thing. So the things that Jesus said matter when it comes to joy are his commands. He said, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. You know, Sinclair Ferguson said, our relationship to Christ is intimately connected to what we do with our Bibles. You hear me all the time, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. Every day, just read your Bible. You put on my headstone. If I have one, you read your Bible. Okay. But I have lear- I'm learning, and I'm, and I'm thank God I have through crises, that it is literally in the word of God that we have our strength, that we meet and encounter the real person of Jesus Christ. And what I'm telling you is if you're new here today or, or you're just kind of zoning in and out, what I'm saying to you is this, Christian, if you have no joy, if there's no joy in your bucket, there's no Jesus close to you, go get alone, take your Bible and read. And, and when you read, realize that the words you're reading are the words of life. The commandments of Jesus. Put it in. Be there and know that inside your soul there is a secret work that's happening. Of empowerment. And you know what? Take up what Martin Lloyd-Jones says and ask to be filled. 
When's the last time you asked to be filled? When's the last time that you said, God, I'm going to shut myself up in this place and I'm not leaving till I slosh? That's revival. That's a microcosm of revival. Keeping the Lord's commands is a fundamental aspect of abiding in Him. Jesus said in 14, chapter 14, If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. He, he says, uh, keeping the Lord's commands is how we declare our love for Him. He says in verse 21, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Now this word manifest means to make present or evident to the experiences or senses. So, I just want to tell you this, and I don't mean to sound unspiritual or shallow. But when your bucket can top over and nothing runs out, and you're empty, you don't need theory. You don't need a breakdown of a Greek verb. You need Jesus. And your heart can exult in that. And I want you to know, there is a promise found in these passages that is real. That when you get done being you, and you're empty, and you want to be filled, you go start asking Jesus to fill you up, And you hold up your bucket and you say, Lord, I'm empty. See? And you wait. And He'll fill you. You can call that whatever you want to. I don't care what handle you put on it. But it's real. It's happened to me. It's happened to so many others. Men that that if I told you from Edwards to Wesley to to, to Spurgeon, to Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, to R.A. Torrey. I can go on and on and on of men and women, Amy Carmichael, who have been filled with the joy of the Lord countless times to empower them to do the work of ministry. Because after all, what does the world need? Our attempt at being Christians? Or do they need Jesus in us? Did you know there's been only one person that's ever been able to live the Christian life perfectly. And His name is Jesus. You and I are going to make lousy examples of what it is to live the Christian life if we try to do it without Jesus. Manifest, Lord. I need to sense Your affections. I need to feel Your love. Man, I'm getting so sick of camps. You got this perfect tension between uh, just so many different doctrinal positions. But all I know is Jesus is not a concept. He's not a doctrine. He, He is. He espouses. But He's a person. 
He wasn't just alive back then. He's alive right now. He is present. The Bible says we're two or more gathered there in his, in his name. He's there in the midst. So you can rest assured, those of us paying attention and desire to know him here, he's here right now. And that's a realized fact. Your bucket empty, you start holding it up. Go get a coffee cup out there. No, it's not big enough. You need to go find a wheelbarrow or something. Bring it to church. Somebody's going to bring in a 50-gallon drum, and they're going to sit right on top of it and say, we're not leaving until it's full. Now, that's when you know the church is saying, revive us again, fill each heart with thy love. Let us be born of the Spirit with songs from above. And we sing, Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, all men. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. Does anyone know that song? Okay. So we start having revival. When we get to the point where we say, God, I'm having a bucket that's empty and it needs filled because these times we live in are so wicked and so evil and so dry that I can only stay close to the fire. They say the Welsh who had the Welsh revival, they said once you've been close to the fire, you'll never be satisfied with the smoke. (laughs) And I tell you that's true. If you're too busy to go sit next to the fire, you're not only too busy, you're willfully disobedient. And you have another God. Here's here's from Octavius Winslow. Just bear with me as I read this. How obedience is inextricably linked to joy. Try to pay attention. These are big fat thoughts. So I'm going to go slow. The spiritual state of the soul. And the vigor and promptness of its obedience will correspond with the state and tone of the believer's affections towards God. If decay, coldness, declension exist here, it is felt and traced throughout the entire obedience of the new man. Every grace of the Spirit feels it. Every call to duty feels it. And every throb of the spiritual pulse will but betray the secret and certain declension of divine love in the soul. Let the Christian reader then imagine what must be the spiritual unhealthiness of the believer. What his outward and visible declensions from God when love, the spring of all spiritual duties, ceases to exert a vigorous influence And when, as the heart of experimental godliness, it transmit but sickly and sluggish streams of life throughout the spiritual system. That's one sentence. What he's saying is, when you love something else more than Jesus, your soul is going to become sick. And as it sickens, as it, declension is just a word for decline, As it declines, your sensitivities to the things of the Spirit are going to decline too. And all you're going to produce is a bunch of rotten fruit. And your love, most of all. Jesus said, abide in my love. And then my joy will remain. Keep my commandments. All these things are inextricably linked. You will know it by your life and your sub-level of Christianity. Which we all can fall victim to. Jesus desires that our joy be full. This is God's will, (laughs) okay? Now again, 
do not allow yourself to be convinced or attached to an emotive view of joy. But to Jesus. Jesus, Jesus' will for you is Jesus. Okay? And, and, he, and, and this word full simply means to be satisfied. To be or become satisfied concerning the requirements or expectations of a contract or promise understood as if being or becoming completely full. In other words, man, sometimes I'm so hungry, I just want to go eat a bunch of sausage and biscuits and gravy. And when I do, I'm full all day long. Sometimes even the next morning. That's a very poor but usable analogy of what it is to be full of the Spirit. Have you asked Jesus to fill you up with all of who He is? Are you so scattered that you can't find the time nor the inclination? You profess Christ, but you're too busy for the Savior. I wonder, who are you serving? Practical implications then. I pulled this from an article from Desiring God, June 9, 2017. Mark Ballinger, he writes in his article, Is it a sin to be sad? And this is about joy. Just some things here. Just a few snippets. He writes, To seek inner tranquility by avoiding our actual life circumstances is closer to Buddhism than Christianity. In Buddhism, the goal is to reach nirvana, which is a state of being that blocks out and ignores the world as you clear your mind and focus on nothing, trying to become one with the universe. This is not Christianity. Okay, this is not Christianity. The command to rejoice always in Philippians 4 verse 4 is not a command to be a cold-hearted robot that pretends pain isn't real. You are not called to be content with failing health, your low-paying job, your rebellious children, or your divided country. To claim contentment with a sinful, unjust, and broken world is not holiness, and it's certainly not what God commands. Amen. Nowhere in the Bible are we told we must enjoy unwanted circumstances. We are told rather, and I love this part, to enjoy Christ even in unwanted circumstances. You see where he went with that? We're told to enjoy Christ. Because joy is not a set of conditions or realized circumstances. It is, it is a person. Jesus does not change. Circumstances will. Conditions will change. Jesus never changes. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. An interesting book I've been reading lately is called The Way of Holiness by Stephen Olford. Uh, pastor Olford was a, pa- a pastor of a Baptist Church, Calvary Baptist Church in New York City. I didn't even know they had him there. For 11 years, I believe. And he was a profound man who was impacted by the touch of God by having his joy full. 
Stephen writes, if you think about crucifixion, it is a slow death. Never occurred to me. Jesus didn't just get nailed to the cross and die instantly. It took a while. A long while. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. In this is the doctrine of sanctification. Where we struggle, our flesh is in the death throes of, crucifi- of the crucified life. And it takes a little while to die. And sometimes it'll surge back. But when I look to Jesus as the supplier of my joy, my focus, my life, my heartbeat, then I don't live. And that eventual end of that fleshly crucified life takes its ultimate end. Then I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me because He said, as you abide in me, I will abide in you. If you abide in my love, your joy will be full. And you do this, you abide in my love by keeping my commandments. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? That's not metaphor. That is actual, factual kingdom principles for living. I have so much that's like a whole well inside of me. Something I read today, if, if I could even find it. is that one of the greatest examples of the evidences of the Christian life. Yeah, there is no greater argument for the reality of Christian experience than a Christ-like character. This is simply a way of saying, don't undo with your life what you say with your tongue. You cannot live the Christian life unless you're full of Jesus. There was a a poem, it says, Jesus, be Jesus in me, no longer me, but thee. Resurrection power, fill me this hour. Jesus, be Jesus in me. It's not I, but Christ. It's Christ-centeredness. It's being yielded to His Spirit every moment of the day. It's meaning this, that when you get to the point in your life where you look at the words of Scripture and you see where Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. And you say, but Jesus, this isn't real for me. My joy isn't full. It's because I know that I have a lot of other things in this bucket that are empty. You can't share your bucket with other things. This bucket here is not meant for dirt. That's not. This bucket here isn't meant for trash either to pick up around here. It isn't meant for anything in that kitchen either. It's meant for one thing, to bail water out of the baptistry. I don't want a nasty bunch of muck running out of this bucket into the baptistry. Neither do you if you're getting baptized. It's a sanctified bucket. It's been set apart for one task. 
And everybody's like, don't touch that bucket. But your soul, your bucket, your, your heart. If you claim to have Jesus, and I've been saved, but your life doesn't show it, there's two things. One, you're a false conversion. Or B, you're loosely, you're greatly involved in idolatry and God's going to get you. You can't be duplicitous. It's time that the church rediscover the pursuit of holiness. To pursue Jesus. To live in that power that He intends us to live. I'm pretty certain here today that if we were to take a poll, that the majority of us would probably say, anonymously of course, that your joy isn't full. I'm pretty sure that you would say, there are more days that I struggle than the days that I have up. And I want to say, we're looking at it all the wrong way. Because if you're in Jesus, there's never a day, regardless of how you feel, that Jesus isn't. Because joy isn't about a set of realized conditions or circumstances. It's a person. And with what we're facing coming up in the nation that the other countries have already been through and we're just getting warmed up to, we're going to need much wisdom and strength and power. And there's nothing wrong with talking about those things so long as they don't ever get bigger than the main thing. Because Jesus is going to live in us through that. Better to talk to a brother or sister in the Lord about these things than somebody else who doesn't know Him. And then maybe we ought to stop talking so much and start praying more. I'm convinced of this. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to sound like a... We have not because we ask not. It's true. So, before we close, I just want to turn your attention to John 15. Two verses that caught my eye this morning. This this thing just keeps on giving. John 15. Jesus said in verse 7. Now pay attention here. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Now notice... By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, you'll be my disciples. Okay, now go back over to John chapter 15, verse uh, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. Now here it is again. That whatever you ask in my name, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give you. Twice, in the same narrative, the Lord Jesus Himself is telling us to do something. He's telling us to ask. But there's conditions on it. And the condition is, abide, dwell, live, camp out, stay there. And He wants us to bear fruit. What does He want? So you know what I want? My prayers have changed through this week. First, it was requests for function. Until finally, last night, it ended with this. God, I take it all back.
I don't want power to be a better husband. I don't want power to be a better father. And I don't want power to be a better preacher. God, I just want your presence. Because everything else will come out of that. There ain't no point in having a land of milk and honey if you're not there. Ain't no point in having a family to love if my heart's not able to love you first in it. Nothing is worth having, God, unless your presence is there. And when you get to that point, then you'll know that there's only one thing can fit in that bucket. Jesus. I'm going to ask JT to come. As he comes, I want some of you to understand the reason your bucket's empty because you don't know Jesus at all. And your bucket looks like yourself. You need a new bucket. You need to kick that bucket and get a new bucket. You need to be saved. You need Christ to come in and be your Lord and your Savior. And you have to understand that you're guilty before God deserving of death and hell because that's right. But you can be saved. Let go of your pride. It's going to ruin you anyway. You lose. You lose. Cry out for mercy. And Christian, if you know the Lord but you've been subpar, fall on the altar. Ask to be filled. Get rid of the junk. Rediscover the simplicity of knowing Jesus. As JT sings, whatever your need, you come.